Have you ever watched a movie where you got to the end and you're left wondering what happened to certain characters or what, or, or what the sequel might look like? Because surely that movie can't end like that. You ever come to, you ever watch a TV show and you're wondering, but what about, and you have like a character, you're like, I don't, but I, I want to know what happened here. Like there's these loose ends hanging out there. I don't know if you're an Avengers fan, but the end of uh, Affinity War, you, you remember what it was like to watch Avengers Affinity War? I know some of you are like, yeah, yeah. It's like, what's going on? Like, what is that? What, what's happened? Because the whole world changed in Avengers. And you had to watch Endgame to understand everything else. Okay, maybe that reference fell flat. But if you watched it, you know what I'm talking about. It was a really big moment at the end of the movie. But there were these loose ends sitting out there, and you just didn't know what in the world will happen next. Well, that's, that's what we step into this morning. There have been some loose ends sitting in the Gospel of Mark, and this morning Jesus is going to close up some of those loose ends. I want to take us back to Mark chapter 11. I want to put this summary up for what happened in Mark 11, a big loose end. Ever since Jesus turned over tables and drove out money changers from the temple in Mark 11, the disciples have been wondering, when would Jesus finish the job? When would he purify the temple, remove God's enemies, and vindicate Israel? You remember, just days before, we're in the last week of Jesus' life, and just days before he entered Jerusalem, everyone thinks he's going to be king, and he goes in and he flips tables, he removes the money changers. It looks like it all is about to happen now. Finally, the king of Israel will sit on the throne of David and rule the world forever. But what happens on that day? He turns around and he leaves for the night. And I'm sure the disciples are wondering, but this is a really big loose end. And every time he comes back into Jerusalem, he then walks out at the end of the day. And they're left wondering, but when are you finally going to finish what you started? Well, today we, we get that answer. We at least begin to close that loose end. And we see it, we see this loose end at, in the front uh, verses of chapter 13. We're going to take on the whole chapter Mark 13, and one day we take on the whole chapter. The first four verses set up the dilemma, the angst the disciples feel, wanting Jesus to close that loose end that he started two chapters before. Here we are. Let's pick up. Mark chapter 13, we'll read those first four verses. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they're all about to be fulfilled? What will be the sign? Context really matters here. The disciples are asking, when is this, this judgment, this thing you started when you cast out the money changers, when will all these stones of the temple be brought down? When's all this going to happen? Context is the temple. They're wanting to know, when will this thing that you say will happen to the temple happen? And the temple's a really big deal in Jewish life. 
The temple is that place where God and humans come together. It's where, it's where heaven and earth combine in space and time. But it's gone corrupt. And now finally something new is going to come. Now finally the real temple will get built. So we've got to break down the old and we're going to build up the new. And the disciples want to know when's all that going to happen. The temple and the judgment to come on it is the context for what is to come next. Let me put up one summary from one scholar who describes it this way. The main subject of Mark 13 remains the fate of the temple in Jerusalem and of Jesus' followers in the time leading up to the temple's demise. It is vital to read this passage as containing Jesus' prophecies fulfilled 40 years later against the temple. Everything to come forward has to do with judgment on the temple, this structure in Jerusalem in the first century A.D. So I want to just maybe break down the rest of the chapter before we ever step into it this way. Let's put up the breakdown. So we're going to look at verses 5 through 13. We're going to read those. And there Jesus will have something to say to his disciples. It is, be patient and stand firm. Then, he's going to, then in the next section, it's going to be verses 14 through 27. And there Jesus is going to tell his disciples, you flee when the judgment's coming. Like literally, run away. This isn't metaphorical. Literally, get out of town. And in the last part, verses 28 through 37, Jesus is going to have a summary of everything he's just said. And it will be, stay alert. Now, that's if we break it down just in verses. But maybe it'll help to see it on a timeline. So this is chronologically what we're looking at. So if we start at 33, A.D. 33, at the cross and resurrection, now some might say that should be 30, it just depends on how you're dating. We're going to go with 33 as the date for the crucifixion. So if we go from A.D. 33 to A.D. 66, it's in that time period where you have a lot of unrest, but nothing catastrophic. It's in A.D. 66 that Rome attacks Jerusalem. And over those next four years, Rome will have waves of attacks until in A.D. 70, the temple in Jerusalem is destroyed. And it has a profound impact on the trajectory of Christianity, and it will have a profound effect on Judaism, even the Judaism that you and I might even know today. The destruction of of the temple is a massive event in the life of both the church and in Judaism. And so these verse 5 through 13... Jesus is talking about this period between the resurrection and when Rome begins the attack. It's in that period Jesus is going to have something to say to his disciples. And then in the next section, he's going to have something to say to his disciples, particularly about those four years of war that will be very difficult in Jerusalem. And he will have something to say to his disciples about those four years. And then he's going to summarize this whole period with a statement, stay alert. That's going to be the chapter, that's chapter 13. And all of it will have relevance for our day. Just wait till you see how all this has application for our day. Here we go. We're going to pick up in that first section. This is the section where Jesus is going to have something to say to them in that period between the resurrection and the day Rome steps into Jerusalem to begin its attack. It's that inner period, that, that, that middle period we want to look at. So it's verses 5 through 13. Let's take a look at what Jesus has to say. Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. 
Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines, and these will be the beginning of birth pains. It's not yet the full labor, it's not the full pregnancy, but it's the beginning. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested or brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, you know these verses right here have often be, have been understood as having something to say about the end, that moment coming way in the future. But we have to remember context. It's something we've talked about over and over as we've looked at the Gospel of Mark. Jesus' first response is an answer to the question about when will the stones of the temple come crashing down. And so Jesus' initial answer is, There's a lot coming before it ever happens. This is the end. This is the stones falling down that the disciples had just asked him about. That's the end they're thinking of. And as good Jews, they would understand that God is bringing a judgment against his people. This is a theme that is linked throughout the Old Testament, God bringing judgment on his people, sending them into exile. And now Jesus will claim that he is the one to bring them out of exile. But here... We're going to have to finish off the judgment he had started on the temple. Because remember Israel. Israel has become so corrupt, full of so much injustice, something's got to be done. And something will be done. Now, here, so much is happening in those verses. What we need to remember is that Jesus is telling his disciples, when you hear rumors, when you hear about other things happening far away, you stand your ground. Do not, do not leave the faith. You don't give up on me. You don't think God's given up on you. You stand firm. And even when you're persecuted because of me, you don't give up. This is a message here in this interim period. You can see it on the timeline. It's, these, it's this period before really things get bad. It's the beginning of the birth pains. The pregnancy is coming, if we use that if we use that category or that image, the pregnancy's coming when Rome steps in and begins its final judgment on the temple. And Rome's got all kinds of reasons for doing that. These Jews are rabble-rousers, rabble-rousers and, and there was a group of people wanting to overthrow Rome, and it got pretty serious, so Rome finally steps in in AD 66. So you don't give up. Now let's take a look at what happens, because there will be a judgment and the stones will come down. So what does Jesus have to say about that? When this place where heaven and earth are supposedly supposed to come together, but it has become so corrupt, God finally brings judgment. Oh, it's going to have cosmic language all over this. So these next several verses, it's going to, it's just going to, uh, it's going to be full of Old Testament imagery because of the significance of what he's going to describe as the temple's judge. So let's take a look. We pick up verse 14. This is when it finally will come. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, that means something significant happened in the temple. That would mean that Rome has stepped in in the sacred place. This is a reference to Daniel. We're not going there. A lot of of Old Testament imagery. But we need to understand this is the moment. 
where it's all starting. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter. Because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. And in that time, if anyone says, look, here's the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. He will, stand, he will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now, all of that would strike us as something about what's coming, like way in the future somewhere. But we cannot forget that it's still in the context of the destruction of the temple. And all the language has a cosmic weight because this is saying something about God's judgment on the people he chose who have forsaken him for too long. And now everything gets reframed in Jesus. If you remember, Jesus told a parable a few chapters back where he told about a vineyard owner, the owner of a vineyard who wanted to gather some harvest from the tenants, and they just kept beating up every servant he sent. And eventually he sent his son. And what did they do to the son? Killed that son. And how many people did he send after the son? None. Because the son was the final messenger. There's no one else coming after Jesus. And many scholars think when you take this passage in context with what's happening back in Daniel, we're not going to go there, but the image of the clouds and the sky and everything, everything being reordered, this is a cosmic reordering. And the Son of Man coming in the clouds is actually an image from Daniel 7 where the Son of Man, who is Jesus, is vindicated. And he goes into his kingdom. All of that refers to Jesus being vindicated. When the temple crumbles, it is a vindication that there is no more messenger. There's no more Son of Man. It is Jesus himself. And so here, the cosmic imagery is clear. God is only being revealed in one place. Not the temple. Jesus. If you want to see God, you've got to look at Jesus. No more temple. No more animal sacrifices. We're done. And so, he wants his disciples, when this happens, to leave. Get out of town. Why? Do not hold on to a national identity, a national loyalty that's crumbling. Don't lose your life trying to hold up the very thing God is judging. You get out of town and you save your life. This is very, very practical. This is like when he says, leave Judea and go to the mountains, he literally is looking at the mountains. And so the summary comes in the last part. The summary is at the last part. Here it is. Verse 28, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. 
Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation certainly will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. And so the summary of all of this is, stay alert. Stay alert. Don't get caught up in all of the rumors. Don't follow a false Messiah. And do not lose hope. God is doing something, and it is all tied to me. You don't leave me. You keep watch. You stay alert. And so the days are coming where this advice will get real practical for the disciples. And it's not just going to be practical for the disciples. Who else needs to be paying attention to all of this? Let the reader understand. Let the reader understand. So whereas we might see this having something to do with way out in the future, we don't want to miss that the cosmic imagery, all the Old Testament links, has something to say about the judgment on the temple in their day. Within four decades, all of this will come to pass. That's why he says, this generation. Now, it's important for us to realize that although the judgment of the temple was big, there's another judgment that will be bigger. And so we can take everything we're learning here and we can actually transfer it to that day when everything actually gets made right and everything's brought into the light. That's as one scholar says it this way, just so we can understand where we might move with some application. One scholar says it this way, the judgment that fell on the temple, he says this, a foretaste. It's a foretaste. According to other passages in the New Testament of the judgment that will fall on the whole world. And you know, New Testament writers are going to pick up on this. They're going to pick up on the language of stay alert, don't go to sleep, stay in the light, don't go back in the darkness. I just want to pick one of those. There's a lot, there are several. I want to pick one from the Apostle Paul. Here's what Paul says, Romans chapter 11, verse 11 through 14. He says, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. The day is coming when the world is flooded with light and everything exposed, so you stay in light. Do not give up. This is another way of saying, stay on watch. Be alert. This is just another way of saying it. And Paul is very clear. A day is coming. Therefore, stay alert. Now, what in the world would this have to do with our day? What in the world, what application could we make? Paul begins to step in that direction. So I just want to put it maybe in terms that really have something to say to us. Now, let's go with the first application. 
Uh, one of the, our Roanoke Rapids firemen told me, I believe it was his grandma, always told him this. I thought, golly, that's good. That's better than I could write. So we're going to use it as our first one because it just it fits directly with Mark 13. So firefighter Patrick P, uh, Pegram, he, he, his grandma says it this way. Be where, you, be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. This is a key application coming right out of this passage. The, Jesus is saying over and over again, you deal with reality in front of you. Don't get caught up in the rumors of war way off in another land. Don't get caught up in an earthquake that happened somewhere over in that distant world. You stay focused where your feet are because that's where you live. And so Jesus wants his disciples, no matter what year it is, to deal with reality. You deal with what you can deal with. You stay in your lane. You be where your feet are. That's good advice. Like, that's just just general wisdom. But that whole chapter is about dealing with reality. So, in those three decades after the cross, well, you just stay firm. You don't give up. You don't, you don't give up on the message, this good news you're going out and proclaiming. But when you get to those four years of war and you know it's coming, like when Rome steps in, that desolation that caused, that desolation in the temple, now you get out of town. That's going to be your reality, so you deal with it. So like, this is really good advice. Deal with the reality in front of you. Be where your feet are. Now, let's be honest. There's a lot going on in our country right now. And like we just celebrated July 4th, there's a lot happening. So what in the world do you do with that? Well, let me just tell you some of the things I don't know. I have no idea what direction this country's headed. Now, I have a sense of where it's headed, but I don't know where it's headed. Nor do I know who's going to be president next year. I got no idea. These are things that are not real in front of me. Because I don't know how to, I don't know what they are. But let me just tell you what I do know. What I do know is that God is in control right now. I do know that I need to pray now. And I do know that I need to love my neighbor now. I can't do anything about a protest in Minneapolis. I can't do anything about what's happening in Seattle. I can't do anything about any of that. Because you know where I live? Roanoke Rapids. That's where I live. You know what's happening on Stark Drive? You know what's happening on my street? Nothing. Nothing's happening on my street. Kids play in the street. That's what happens on my street. And I got some neighbors that need loved. That's what, that's what I got going on on my street. You know what's going on in my house? Chaos. That's what goes on in my house. Chaos. I got people pulling for my attention all the time. Test us too. You know who I'm called to love? I'm called to love the people in front of me. That's who I'm called to love. I can't do anything about the protester breaking out windows in a city. I can't do anything about a police officer who does damage to someone's life. I can't do anything to someone who is hurting a police officer because they have beef from years ago. I can't do anything about any of those people because I don't know them. But I know I can love the people right in front of me. And I don't know who's going to be president, but I know I can pray for the one now. Do you see? These are things we can do. So be where your feet are. Deal with reality in front of you. Golly, that's good. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples, so it's application for us too. And the second one is this. This whole passage is rooted in the second application. Hold on to hope. He knew the disciples would get worn down, they'd get tired, and they'd grow impatient, and they'd be scared, and they wouldn't know what would happen next. And yet Jesus, all along the way, the underlying current in the whole chapter is, God's here. 
and God's going to take care of it, and you don't give up. So no matter what's happening in this country or somewhere far away, do not give up and hold on to hope. Because in the end, there's a new creation. And there will be a day when everything's made right. So don't give up. Like, walk through the fear or the boring and hold on to hope. All right. So let's step on toes and move to our next step. Here it is. Limit how much news you watch and read. And do good where you are. Do you know, I was running with someone a few weeks ago, and it was in the midst of all the news about George Floyd and all the racial protests. And we talked about and began to predict when that would leave the news cycle and a new thing would come. Do you know what was going on in the news? you know what happened to the coronavirus three weeks ago? It vanished. It vanished. I remember hearing NPR, their, their, their five-minute news summary, which is really a great way I can just gather the news real quick. You know what? There was one day in particular, it was the 5 o'clock news summary, not one mention of coronavirus. All racial news, all news about race relations. Not one word about coronavirus. Three weeks forward, you know what, you know what all I hear about now? Coronavirus. Now, the point here is not necessarily the content of the news. But I want you to see that our lives are shaped, if we so choose, by a never-ending cycle of news that someone else is shaping for us. So we need to be very careful. Do not let your life be shaped by the 24-hour news cycle. Because if you do, you will become unanchored really quickly. You will become mad at the things they want you to be mad at. You know what I'm mad at right now? Having to wear a mask. I'm mad about wearing a mask. And you know what I hear in the news all the time? Stuff about masks. That's what I'm hearing, so I'm mad about that. You know what I was mad about three weeks ago? Other things, because they told me I had to be mad about other things. Who knows what I'm going to be mad about in a few weeks? I'm sure there's going to be stuff about the presidential election coming up in fury. I'm sure that's coming, so I'm probably going to be mad at something else. My point is be careful to stay tethered to Jesus. You can do nothing about Seattle, Minneapolis, Oakland, take your pick, but you can do good right where you are. So hold on to help and show love to the people God has in front of you. All of that is sitting inside of Mark chapter 13. It's a very practical passage when we can, when we can uh, take that cosmic energy, uh, imagery and get it on the ground and understand its context. So limit your news this week. That's the challenge. Limit your news this week and do good. Do good right where you are. You can't do good where FD is. You can do good where you are. Now, I wouldn't mind if FD comes to my house and does good, maybe for a week. Mary, just take my kids, do good. That'd be good. That would be good. <laughs> might be in trouble. <laughs> but do good. Do good where you are. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you again for how Mark has laid out the gospel. Thank you for the grace to have the insight. And thank you for application in the real world. Help us to stay tethered, to stay anchored to Jesus. And would you open up our opportunities to do good where we are? And would you keep hope, no matter the news, no matter our personal sufferings, keep hope anchored deep inside of us. Pray that under the name of the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one that is going to make all things new in the new creation, the one who defeated death and will remove it forever. 
We pray under his name, Jesus the Christ. We're going to move right now into a time of response. You're going to see this slide come up. So something a little different.